in the next 15 years, lives for the poor in the world would improve more than in any other time in history. And so uh, the, the question is, how do we use that, that uh, those wonderful resources, that $4 billion a year, to make a difference? So one of the areas of great focus and something the foundation is known for is global health. And um, part of that agenda is disease eradication. We've made great gains in some of the things that uh, cause problems in the world. But one most exciting thing that um, we're signed up for is for only the second time in history to eradicate a disease literally from the face of the earth. Um, the first one was smallpox, and the world is a better place because smallpox was eradicated. And, and now we really have in our sights not only, hopefully, the eradication of polio as an issue for the world, um, but other diseases that are probably less well-known across the world, like guinea worm um, and African sleeping sickness. And, and so having that kind of ambition means working with collaborators and partners now for polio in some of the most difficult places in the world. Um, the last case of, of polio in Nigeria, and in fact in the continent of Africa, was last summer. Okay. And so that's a major gain. And now we're in Pakistan uh, literally going to, to eradicate polio in collaboration with others. It's amazing. I mean, you, you, how many diseases have you put on this list for the next 15 years that you want to get rid of? We've got a number of them, around three or four diseases, that we do think it's not crazy. Um, be, diseases like polio, like guinea worm, African sleeping sickness, that given gains in innovation and service delivery and systems improvement, um, we really think they're in our sights. And importantly for uh, diseases like malaria and HIV AIDS, we think by 2030 we should be in a position for the world to have a serious discussion about it, uh, in the future, w could we be in a position to eradicate things like malaria and HIV? I mean, that's what comes to mind whenever I think of this particular foundation is, is Bill Gates and Melinda Gates talking about trying to rid the world of malaria. How far has the work come in that, that area specifically? Well, the work has come pretty far. We still do see the about 600,000 people dying annually of malaria. So it remains a very, very significant problem, and particularly a significant problem for children, a major focus of our foundation. The, the good news on malaria is that with remedies like bed nets, and importantly, gains in how we treat malaria. We, we have a very serious program with a line of sight to 2030 to significantly control and even eradicate malaria. We should talk about child deaths. I mean, this is an awful statistic that people might not know. 6.5 million child children excuse me, die before the age of five worldwide each year. When you've been projecting ahead for the next 15 years of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you've said you'd like to try and help halve the number of those children who die before the age of five. What are the big causes and how are you going to try and tackle that? Well, there, there's a number of things that go into, again, decreasing by half childhood uh, mortality. A major uh, focus of the foundation since our inception 15 years ago has been on prevention. Vaccines are an incredibly effective tool in preventing childhood deaths. And one good news item, and, and the, the government of the UK was a part of this good news item, is that Gavi, the vaccine alliance, the Global Vaccine Alliance, just was refunded. 
and that refunding to the tune of seven and a half billion dollars, one and a half billion came from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That investment in Gavi between now and 2020 will allow for 300 million children in the poorest countries of the world to receive vaccinations. And it's estimated that 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 refinancing, that Gavi focus on getting those vaccines out will save five to six million lives annually. So uh, five to six million lives between now and 2020, I should say. So that is a significant investment. But think of 300 million vaccines saving five to six million lives. That's that's serious progress. While while doing this, though, there is obviously the risk of further epidemics. So even if all the vaccinations in the world happen, as you say, there are these risks, especially when we think about what's just happened with Ebola. I mean, Ebola killed more than 10,000 people. And I was reading that Bill Gates has said that there is a chance of epidemics coming back again and killing even more. And he said that the problem isn't how necessarily the world responded. It's that there is no system in place in the parts of the world where people are the most vulnerable. What systems need to be put in place and how are you working towards that? One of our investments is in disease surveillance or disease tracking. The world needs better and more timely public health data so that we're prepared for the next epidemic and we can save lives now in developing countries. So we've recently announced a a new program uh, called CHAMPS, and that stands for Child Health and Mortality Prevention Surveillance Network. Now, this is up to $75 million commitment, and it's a long-term commitment. These things aren't short-term. These are long-term solutions. So this is a 20-year commitment, and it begins with establishing six sites in some of the highest disease burden areas in Africa and South Asia. What these sites will do with their local ministries of health is gather and distribute better global health data so that we'll have accurate, informed decision-making. And that's the kind of decision-making we need to both reduce child mortality and to decrease the threats from scourges like Ebola. People listening to this, though, will be thinking, you know, wow, this is amazing that this organization exists. I think one of my favorite quotes uh, that a journalist wrote about Bill and Melinda Gates is they're like gods with checkbooks. But they will also (laughs) be thinking, why is this a private organization having to do this? It will always be the case that public institutions, ministries of health, sovereign governments, the World Health Organization are central and play key roles in keeping our globe safe absolutely essential. And there is a critical role. And WHO has has done some self-assessment as part of lessons learned from Ebola. They would be the first to say things should have been faster. And they've looked at how they operate, how they operate with local governments, how they operate with their regional offices and improving that. So yes, they, they can do better. We can all do better in the future. It, it, but, but you're asking specifically about how our foundation works with others. Even though $4 billion, that's a lot of money, there's approximately $130 billion being spent across the world on aid and on on advancing the, the health of the globe. So we always collaborate with others. Extremely important for us to do that. In the case of Ebola, we made some critical investments in research and development, moving along diagnostics, potential therapeutics or preventive vaccines in collaboration with public and private partners to advance the cause of Ebola. So everything we do, we do as collaborators.
I did read a very good article. Uh, Melinda Gates wrote a piece saying why mother-in-laws were often the gatekeepers in certain communities. And if you uh, <laughs> if you wanted to, ha- you know, get contraception going in a family, which was obviously so crucial for maternal health, uh, sometimes you needed to disobey your mother-in-law. But that was a that was a good insight there. When the foundation was set up 15 years ago, it was to look for, I quote, the most strategic ways to help equalise the two halves of the world. I mean. No mean feat there. What's the, what, where's the foundation got with that particular goal, would you say, 15 years on? The words that we often use are, are the words, all lives have equal value. And that strong, seminal belief that all lives have equal value has been the foundation of, of how we look at, at the causes that we support and where we invest. So that can range from things we've talked about to things that are newer for the foundation, a serious investment in family planning, a serious investment in smallholder farmers so that Africa can be in a position to feed itself, increasingly investing in digital so that financial services are available for the poor Mm -hmm. and the poor have access to the kinds of things they need um, because people need money for schools, for health. Sorry to interrupt there, Sue, but I've got so many questions. It's just so vast what you're trying to do and you've been in position for just over a year I believe your background is an oncologist and you've got lots of other things to your name I just wondered beyond the management side of things which is obviously very challenging especially in an an organization like you say that's so vast around the globe do you have a personal health issue for you that you really would like to see under your tenure make some significant progress Oh, absolutely. I, 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 if if the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as is our ambition, makes polio a thing of the past, that will be a beautiful thing. So eradicating polio is a dream, and that dream is in the sights of the globe. So uh, that will be a fantastic accomplishment. And I've got to ask you, I did say they're like gods with checkbooks. Bill and Melinda, what do they like to work for? They are smart and passionate and absolutely committed to this field. So 15 years in, they are as as aggressive in their pursuit of all lives have equal value and using their capital and their wealth to, to give back and have the world uh, be a more equitable and fair place so that people can reach their full potential. I would say they're all in. 